0: I want to begin by reading one of my least favorite promises in the Bible. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's one of those verses I'd like to take out of the Bible. Indeed, right? It seems like it's going to be positive and sure, and it is. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, is what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. So it's universal in scope. This is something you are going to experience in your Christian life. It was happening in the first century, um, and it's happened throughout time. Ever since there has been Christians on earth, they've been persecuted. Sometimes physically, sometimes emotionally, sometimes psychologically, sometimes socially. And I suppose there's other different Lee kinds of words that would describe our persecution. But there is going to be pushback in your life if you belong to Christ. If you believe that Jesus is the Savior and that you want to live for His honor and glory, there is going to be pushback of one kind or another. Thankfully, the Bible gives us encouragement, and the encouragement comes by helping us to see who we are as believers in Christ, that things aren't always as they appear. Okay? We look like everyone else, but things aren't always the way they appear, because if you believe in Jesus, you have a different status, okay? and your status, even though you're alive here and now, your status affects your eternal status, if that makes sense. Might have been able to say it better, um, but that helps sustain you and motivate you and encourage you, even though you're feeling the conflict in the here and now. Things aren't always what they appear. Then he also, or, or what also happens in First Peter chapter two, which is what we'll look at this morning, another thing that happens is we're encouraged to live differently, even amidst the persecution. In some ways, amidst the persecution, you might want to say, I just want to retreat and hide. Or I want to retaliate with like aggression. And what we're going to learn in First Peter today to encourage us amidst our persecutions is to remember who we are in Christ and then to remember that we're actually called to live a certain way amidst the conflict and it's not by retaliation and it's not by retreat. So... 1 Peter chapter 2, if you have a Bible, you can join me. We're going to look at verses 9 and 10, who we are in Christ, and verses 11 and 12, how we are to live in Christ. And hopefully this will help us as the persecution in different ways and shapes and forms takes a toll on us. Speaking of things that aren't the way they appear, because some of you are still looking for 1 Peter, have have any of you tried the, the... The mouthwash that has charcoal in it, it's funky, right? I made one of my boys try it last night, but I promised him it wasn't what it appears to be. It's it's black in a black bottle. You put it in your mouth, and it just tastes like Scope or Listerine or one of the other kinds. And then you have to be careful when you spit it out. You spit out all this black stuff, and it's supposed to make your teeth white. I guess there was a sucker born every minute, and I might be one of them, but I thought I'm going to try it. So, this is not an infomercial for charcoal mouthwash. But things aren't always as they appear, okay? It's actually a good thing and it's a positive thing and it does good things. Well, I told one of my kids I was going to work that into my sermon. And so I just did it. You owe me five bucks. (laughs) We're in Christ, even though we look like everybody else. Let's go ahead and get some encouragement regarding who we are in Christ. And we find this in verse 9. Verse 9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And when I read that, apart from knowing it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, I first want to say, that's crazy talk. That's total crazy talk. Think about it. Chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for God's own possession? And and he's saying that's true of Christian believers? New Covenant Christian believers? That's not true. At least in one sense it's not true. Let me help you see what I mean. Christians are not a chosen race. Meaning coming from common ancestry. We don't come from common ancestry. As a matter of fact, in, in Revelation chapter 5, it says we're from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. So that, that's not true. Or how about the next statement? Royal priesthood. I want to be on record as saying Christians are not a royal priesthood. That, that, that's, that means we are all Jewish, if you take it Literally. And and we have among our likes Gentiles who have names like Cornelius. He was a pagan Roman soldier. How could this be? Royal priesthood. Cornelius would never qualify as part of the royal priesthood in the old covenant economy. Or how about the next one? Holy nation. And I want to go on record as saying Christians are not a holy nation. I've read the Great Commission. So, if you, Matthew 28, were to go and make disciples for Jesus of all nations, we're not a holy nation. So, that's crazy talk. But it's not. What the Apostle Peter is doing under control of the Holy Spirit is he's borrowing from the Old Testament descriptive terms for the Old Covenant people of God, Israel. Israel, the nation. Israel, the geopolitical reality. Israel, the the, the the religious state. And he's borrowing from the Old Covenant people and he is using them spiritually, not literally, to say this. You believers who feel like you have nothing other than enemies sometimes you are the people of God those are designations from the old to describe the people of God and he's saying you are the people of God in fact you're the people of God like there have never been a people of God ever before that is describing blessing significance, and in light of what Christ has done in bringing fulfillment in that Old Covenant world in reality, that's why I want to say we're, we're the people of God like n- no one ever been people of God before. <laughs> but what he's doing is radical, as one commentator put it. Peter here makes the radical claim that those who believe in Jesus Christ, whether Jew, Gentile, Greek, Roman, Cappadocian, Bithynian, or whatever, the people of God from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. It, th- th- this is this is dangerous talk. If you if you don't or don't agree. But I, mean, I, I no doubt think it's meant to encourage us. Here, here, think with me for a moment, if you would. I want to go to the book of Exodus, so Genesis, Exodus, and go back to that old covenant world and economy and people and, and hear there what they were called to do and how it was conditioned upon their obedience, There being a priesthood, there being a, a certain special unique people, holy nation. As long as they did the right things, they could have those titles. And I want to go there so you can see that because what we end up seeing in the New Covenant reality is Christ has fulfilled those things. And there's no longer an if tied to your obedience. We've already learned in chapter 1, Christ has done it all. He's done everything necessary to secure our eternal inheritance kept in heaven for us. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's grand. If I could just get you to just appreciate this just a little bit more, I can encourage you in your Christian life to be able to face hard or harder things. Because your status as a person of God, part of the people of God, is solid. Exodus chapter 19, let's begin in verse 4. In Exodus 19, 4, it says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. This is God the Deliverer. And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to Myself. Now, therefore, and I've emboldened this, I've yellow-highlighted this, and I've put a box around it. Now, therefore, if... It's conditioned. If you will obey... If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And then notice verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I drew a box around that too and make the connection. There's an if. If you, then this will be your status. I'm going to skip ahead for the sake of time and I'm going to go to verse 8 and see the people's response. All the people answered together and said all that the Lord has spoken we will do. I like the Spirit. How did they do? It's a disaster. Right? They, they, they responded the right way but they don't. Time, 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 time again it's just they don't do it. And there's an if Qualifier. What we end up seeing in the new covenant, new covenant reality. Christ fulfills the obligation. Christ himself said, I didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill. So there's no longer the if attached. Now Peter comes out full strength and with full weightiness and he describes all of these non-peoples of God when it comes to natural heritage, when it comes to tied to the nation of Israel and he says, you, priests, kingdom, holy nation. He's not saying those things in a literal sense but he's saying them in a greater sense because we're on the other side of things because of Christ. I love it. In Christ, the obedient one, Peter has no conditionality. He says, you are. If I, I just I so want you to see how good this is. It will help you. It will sustain you. It will keep you straight thinking. In Christ the obedient one, Peter has no conditionality. He says, you are. I don't want to keep going. I just want to stop. I just want to let it marinate and ruminate. And we're going to see it's not because of who we are because we're so awesome and we're so smart. Right? He's going to tie to mercy. We actually would deserve to not be. But because of God's mercy, these things are true for us. Okay. Let's keep going. Man, I just want to stay in that world. Verse 9 says, let's keep going, that, it's tied to doing something, that you may proclaim the excellencies, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Notice this, he's the one that's done it, it's not that we deserve this. He's done it. He's called us out of the darkness. What happens in darkness when he's using it as a metaphor? In darkness, you can't understand things. In darkness, it's like we're blind. In darkness, we're going to come to wrong conclusions. Spiritual darkness, you're going to be an idolater. You're not going to know the truth. You're going to stumble all over the place. We could do a lot of things with the metaphor, but it's opposite of illumination, understanding, comprehension... Light is where God is, to borrow from what John would say, like in 1 John. God has taken us, He's called us out of the realm of darkness, blind, ignorant, drawing all the wrong conclusions, and He's brought us into the light, and because He's done that, what do we do? We're the the people of God, not because of what we've done. What do we do? We proclaim His excellencies. We all become preachers. We all become proclaimers. And by the way, this is what you have to do if this is how Christianity works because we can't say, just look at me. Look what I've done. No, we, 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 the nature of the greatness of the grace demands proclamation because I have to say, this is, this is who God is. This is what God has done. And let me show you. No, I can't. I have to just tell you because I couldn't even act it out. We're in the darkness, calls us out of the darkness into the life, into the light. <laughs> we just, we boast in him. We boast in what he's done. Salvation is of the Lord. It's kind of funny because pre- preaching, you know, gets labeled as preachy. I get it. Don't get, don't get preachy on me. I get it. And we, we all know people who are preachy. We don't like preachy, right? Because usually it's talking down to me because you're superior to me and you're telling me how to do my business. So don't, just don't be preachy. But it's kind of interesting here in our, our text, the preaching, the proclamation, is entirely different because it's, it's the only way to, to, to have this make sense. Because it's actually not me talking down to someone, it's me saying, Look! Look! Look, 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 look what he's done, look what he does, look what he has the power to do. And, and, and he did it in my life. It, it, it's not the preachy, I'm so smart and good and religious and spiritual. Look at me. No, it's him. It's, it's preaching that's not preachy, if that makes any sense. It's like the apostle Paul said: we don't preach ourselves. Well, but we, we do preach Him. We don't boast in ourselves, forbid it. But we, we boast in the Lord. I love this. I want to tell everybody about this. I want to proclaim this. I want to tell Christians this. I was so happy to tell Christians mainly today. Christians about wow, what an amazing status we have in Christ. There's no if. I want to proclaim that. I've got good news, everyone. And it'll help you to face tomorrow no matter what. But I want to tell unbelievers too. Do you? Out of darkness, proclaiming His excellencies. This is taken... There are all these echoes from the Old Testament throughout this, right? Peter's saturated in Old Testament thinking and he's connecting dots and pointing out fulfillments this comes from Isaiah 43 verse 21 Isaiah 43 the people whom I formed for myself that they might declare my praise this is what I'm doing people that I've formed for myself that they would declare my praise gospel proclamation is good okay let's keep moving verse 10 says Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. One commentator said, we've just entered into rarefied air. And you probably don't even realize it. Some of you who are older believers and have read the Bible a lot and are kind of Bible-saturated like Peter, maybe so. But people like me need a little bit of help to understand what makes this rarefied air. You weren't a people, and now you are a people. Well, that's significant because in the Old Testament, this is predicted, this is prophesied. The nation of Israel amidst their harlotry, their spiritual, to, to quote from Hosea, their, to use the actual word, their whoredom, okay? their, their spiritual harlotry. And, and God pronounces condemnation upon them, judgment upon them in the book of Isaiah throughout. It's, it's heavy duty, heavy hitting. And then he says, I'm going to call a people who are not my people. And I'm going to call the people who are not my people. You with me so far? I'm going to call the people who are not my people, my people. And interestingly enough, he ends up explaining in the book of Isaiah, this, they're going to come from the Jews, and they're going to come from the non-Jews. Even Isaiah is talking about this stuff. First, uh, Peter's not just, you know, shooting from the hip. This is calculated. This is Isaiah Prophesied fulfillment The people who are not my people The people who are my people Are going to become not my people And among the people I just like saying it (laughs) I'll confess And among those who are not my people I'm going to make my people See the people of God Is a huge huge reality In the Old Testament Israel is the people of God But not all of them are believers. Some of them are just along for the ride. And lots of them are rebellious and all these kinds of things. And what we see is Peter's connecting the dots saying, we find fulfillment in you. And especially amidst persecution and difficulties and things aren't what they appear. And the last thing in the world you would ever feel like is part of a holy nation. The people of God. Royal priesthood. Yeah, right. Where's the charcoal mouthwash? but by faith in Jesus, the one who secures the realities in chapter 1 and in chapter 2. The not my people have become his people. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. He takes the wording from Hosea chapter 2. I'm actually not going to have you turn to Hosea chapter 2 because the Apostle Paul quotes Hosea chapter 2 in Romans chapter 9. See what I did there? (laughs) I'm going to just quote Romans 9 because he's arguing the same kind of thing in Romans 9. So you can turn to Romans 9 with me if you'd like to. Uh, If not, you can just listen. But what are this people of God, not my people, they are my people, comes from Isaiah, comes from Hosea, specifically Hosea chapter 2. But I'm going to go to Romans 9 because he quotes Hosea 2, but he also quotes Hosea 1. For those of you who are thinking this is, um, I mean, I hope lots of you are encouraged by this. Uh, If you're not encouraged, what we're trying to do is is go a little deeper in understanding um, and and help ourselves to see the rarefied air. I shouldn't be pointing, going deep in air, it doesn't make sense, but you get the idea. We're going to go deeper to understand that this is profound because it's the profoundness of it that is to help you in your ordinary Christian life that sometimes can be rather terrible let's get some help well the way you get help is not through shallow ditties okay the way you get help is not just by another motivational speech or just another how-to kind of lecture The way we get help is we we, we put some roots down and we understand that profound nature of God's love for us and his work on our behalf and what he's done for us in Christ. And that's something that people can't take away from you. So we're in the habit of doing that. So in Romans chapter 9, he takes Hosea 2 and applies it in the same way Peter does. How How about Romans chapter 9 verse 24? It says in verse 24, Even us... Whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. So that, that's pretty radical, what he's saying here. It's like what Peter is saying. As indeed he says in Hosea, that would be Hosea chapter 2 verse 23, he's going to quote it. Those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. Verse 26, and in the very place where it was said to them, You are not my people, chapter 1, verse 10, there they will be called sons of the living God. Same gist. He's making this new people, made of Jew, according to the context of that text, and Gentile, most of us. It's extraordinary. Peter's connecting the dots, as Pastor Chris Peterson likes to say. He's connecting the dots. He's saying, this is that prophesied. This is it. You're part of it. It's awesome. I just want to talk about it all day. I just want to sit around the fire, you know, and just chat and talk. and Not my people, my people. It's a really, really, really big deal for you to be considered part of the people of God. And maybe we don't think it's a big deal because we think so highly of ourselves and we don't think sin is that bad and we think God grades on a curve and we think God helps those who help themselves, blah, 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 or we just don't know much about what the Old Testament teaches or not not much about what the New Testament teaches. I don't know why, but but I'm just here to help and say, this is is ginormous, this is huge, this is of great significance. This is what is designed to sustain and help and push you along and encourage you in the here and now times. The people of God. According to His mercy. Let's move on. Now we're going to shift gears. We're going to turn, and we're going to change, and we're going to get more and more of this in First Peter. But now, as these people of status, as people of status because of grace and mercy in Christ, you as a man, or you as a woman, or you as a boy or a girl, if you belong to Christ and you're part of this holy nation that's not a nation... You're supposed to live a certain way. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna feel the rub and the push, and it's not okay to retreat, and it's not okay to retaliate. Is what we're gonna see. So let's let's go ahead and see that um, this is the case. How about verse eleven, beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles. Other translations say strangers and pilgrims. Or to borrow from the Apostle Paul, using similar verbiage that's just stuck in my head, so I'm probably going to default to it, strangers and aliens. It's the same, the same idea. Okay? Borrowing from Old Testament Israel when they're not in Jerusalem, when they're not where the temple is, where they're not where they want to be, where they're not where the unique special dwelling of God is, When they're being persecuted, they want to be there. But when they're away, they're they're pilgrims, they're exiles, they're strangers, they're aliens. And what do strangers and aliens and exiles and pilgrims want? They want to be home. Right? That's what he's getting at here. I urge you as sojourners and exiles. He did this in chapter 1 verse 17. He did it in chapter 1 verse 1. And what Peter's suggesting here is we're like them. He's borrowing again. We're like them. Now the difference is, according to the book of Revelation, we're not longing for Jerusalem, or according to the book of Hebrews, but like Revelation, I think it's in chapter 22, we're longing for the New Jerusalem. Is what we're longing for as pilgrims, stranger, alien, exiles. We're waiting for the true and better Jerusalem. But that's not in the here and now. So again, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Passions of the flesh. uh, Strong desires that are sinful. He says you've got to avoid those sinful, strong desires. They're waging war against your soul. They're not good for you. Not only are they not good for you, in our context, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense to, to just feed the sin. It doesn't make sense to, to act sinfully. It doesn't make sense at all. You, you're you're the part of the people of God, belonging to Him. By faith in Jesus, yes, but you're belonging to Him. It's, it's, it's nonsensical. It's ridiculous. It's counterintuitive. It's counter new nature. It's counter uh, the fact that you, you're proclaiming His what? excellencies. If what we're busy doing is proclaiming His excellencies, it doesn't make any sense in the world for Pat Abendroth to just be sinning it up. No, 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 no. I've received mercy. I'm a pro- proclaimer of excellencies. I belong to Him as His own possession. Longing for another home. It doesn't make any sense. He's given me all of this. I was on a sports team one time where we had sponsors who gave us all kinds of things. And I can remember there was another athlete on a different team who lost badly. And there, there was nothing like it I've ever seen, you know, in real life, as far as a tantrum by a 26-year-old man. He said words that are words, you know. <laughs> just And just eating the tar out of his equipment. And it was like, wow. And we, we, got, a, we got a team message, a team email that basically said, if any, you, you guys all saw that? And if anyone ever even acted anything close to that, you'd never be on this team again. We've been given so much by our sponsors and we represent them and it's an honor to represent them illustration doesn't work perfectly but it's still reasonable all of this is ours in Christ people of God given the privilege of proclaiming his excellencies we were in darkness oh now we're in light don't live like you're proclaiming your excellencies because you're God, the God of your own universe, so you can just follow your own desires to do whatever it is you want to do. By your actions, you're proclaiming your own insidious, ridiculous, grotesque, destructive excellencies that aren't excellencies. He's saying, "Would would you live like a Christian?" And we all know by now he's not saying salvation is by grace and works. He's already made it patently clear. But we are supposed to live a certain way. And he's going to say more about that. Now, things to avoid, he's already, uh, if, we, if we interpreted this in light of First Peter, which I think is, is very helpful to do, he does talk about some of those fleshly things. In chapter one, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, those would be those fleshly kinds of things. Chapter 4, he's going to say in verse 2, so as to live for the rest of the time in your flesh, no longer for human passions but for the will of God, there's the positive side. For the time that that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles uh, want to do. See, they're the godless. Sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, and all of these things. Chapter 1 does the same thing. um, Verses 14 to 22, but I'm not going to take the time to read that. So that's the negative. Don't, act sinfully and and I, I I can't do that for you but I can tell you what the Bible says and God uses his word and if you are a believer in Jesus Christ you have the spirit indwelling you and you belong to a believing community, a holy nation that's not a nation, where there's help it doesn't make any sense to behave badly, waging war against your soul Again, like that old Newhart sketch. Stop it! Right? But there's a reason why it comes here. It comes after purposely impressing you with your new status. Not for higher self-esteem, but to prepare you to live a life of gratitude. Gratitude. If you don't know the New Heart thing, I've never seen a New Heart episode in my whole life, so I don't either, but you've got to go home after church if you haven't done it before and look up New Heart. Stop it. It's hilarious. So anyway, just trying to bring everybody along. I'm I'm a missional pastor. I want to make sure that we're all communicating well, even with sarcasm. Uh, Just don't look it up now, please. And if your neighbor's doing that, would you please give them the left foot of fellowship? the Bible talks about the right hand of fellowship we talk about the left foot of fellowship anyway um, I'm sorry to those of you who don't appreciate my humor Um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said because people didn't like it that he, he used humor at times and said certain things he said you should hear the things that I don't say oh sorry that was more humor shouldn't have done that Okay, where were we? Okay, how about verse 12? Here's the positive. If you need some positive encouragement, he did the negative. Here's the positive. Keep your conduct, your behavior, your actions, things we've just talked about, among the Gentiles honorable. Gentile is used sometimes in the Bible for people who are non-Jews, but it's also used sometimes for the godless. Because in the old covenant economy world, the Gentiles are the godless. It's shorthand for the godless. What's so interesting here is he's probably talking to a mixed community, maybe predominantly Gentile, Jews too. And he's saying, you believers, don't act like the Gentiles. You Gentiles, don't act like Gentiles. Okay? Don't act like the ungodly, the people who are in darkness. And when they see 2 plus 2 spiritually, it's 17. Don't act like that. That's what the godless people do. Don't be that person at all. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Please notice we're amidst the ungodly. We're amidst the Gentiles. He's not saying retreat, go hide, move to Montana. Sorry if you like Montana. He, he, he's not. You get the idea. Go join a monastery because people don't sin there. Yeah, right. He, he's, he's not, he's not, he, he's saying your, your conduct among the Gentiles, and he's going to talk about having a job later, and he's going to talk about having a family later, among the Gentiles, whoever your Gentiles are. I'm the father of all, <laughs> among the Gentiles, honorable behavior. Now, this is complicated, right? Because they might be the ones persecuting you for your behavior. Certain behaviors when you're not approving of certain things, believing certain things, acting a certain way, not acting another way, that may be the very thing that causes you to be persecuted. So he no doubt assumes we're able to nuance. We're not going to compromise. We're going to do what Christians do. That led to the persecution. But there are some things we can do that even unbelievers will see and admire and say, that person shows up on time. That person... Lives a well ordered life. That person has self control. That person shows kindness. That person shows thoughtfulness. That person doesn't retaliate like for like. It's so interesting how he's now describing our behavior among the Gentiles. And then, you know, just so I don't forget. Um, You can think of of some people like Daniel. Peter may have been thinking about Daniel. I don't know. But you think about someone who was a pilgrim, stranger, alien, exile, not wanting to be where he was. Perfect? No. But living an honorable life insofar as he could among the Gentiles. Jeremiah would be another one. Okay, here's why we want to do this. The Bible says, but also verse 12 goes on to say, so that, so, that when, so that when they speak against you, notice it is a when, that when they speak against you as evildoers, so they're calling right wrong and they're calling wrong right, you're not an evildoer, you're in the light. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That's cool. That's perspective. Day of visitation talk is second coming judgment kind of talk. Okay? So reading between the lines, you'd live an honorable life so that perhaps... By God's grace, according to His mercy, God might use your living to make an influence in their life. Yes, He's saying that. So that they will be able to join you in proclaiming the excellencies of God when they are going to face judgment before God. That's what He's getting at. Now again, let's be clear. We can't live the gospel. We have to proclaim the gospel. But we can live in a way that complements the gospel. We can live in a a, a way that doesn't dishonor the gospel. Uh, This is similar, maybe Peter has it in mind, to what Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that when they see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we're proclaiming, but we're also living in a way that complements I know of at least one person in this room who watched believers for years and eventually said, whatever you have, I want. That's what we're talking about. I know of... I had an interesting conversation one time by a, by a, a man who's part of a different religion and kind of saw through the whole thing and was disenfranchised by by religion in general. Religion, by the way, means relationship with one's deity. And I at least liked it that he said to me one day, I know you're right. I'm not ready for it, but I know you're right. He knows I'm not perfect, close enough to me to know that I'm not perfect. I think I told, told him about the gospel one time. And it was like 20 some years ago. But we tell people the gospel and by God's grace, we, we want to live a certain way that's honorable. Perfect? No, because none of us are going to be able to do it. But it's not a radical contradiction. It's complimenting. So they'll join us. Now here, here's where the rub comes, right? I hear people saying things. Every single day of my life, and I think I hate that. I have to be careful. I'm not pointing at you guys over there. I think to myself, I I despise what you're saying. I hate what you stand for. What you're saying is ungodly, anti-Christ, anti-me, untruthful. I I hate that. And if I'm honest, I'm saying I hate you. And I'm wondering how long it's going to be before you end up doing things to me that are going to really, really be Impactful. I hate you. That's how I think. I think First Peter chapter 2 is for me. By God's mercy, remember, I received this great gift. Mercy assumes rebellion. God gives mercy and He takes us from dark status to light status and makes us part of the people of God. So now we are proclaiming His excellencies. And the parallel for Peter is, I want you to live in a certain way amidst your proclamation so that by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, and the sovereign plan of God, some of those people who are persecuting you may actually be joining you in singing the hallelujah chorus. It happened in your life. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need that big time. It's complicated to live as a stranger and an alien and exile and a pilgrim, right? It's complicated. Sometimes there aren't easy answers on how to do it. But we can have perspective that will help us to face the complicated kinds of scenarios. So I say, may God help us to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Omaha Bible Church. Thank you for all of the graces that are ours thank you for the fact that you're kind and gracious to us and patient with us Uh, thank you that you didn't hold our sins against us and so help us to have our perspectives not be perspectives of hatred and retaliation even when we're wronged help us to to be like you and to imitate you and to not hold other sins against them may it be so Please use it in the lives of men and women and boys and girls that others could join us in proclaiming your excellencies because indeed you are an excellent God and an excellent Savior worthy of our honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.